Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 329 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod. You can get an absolutely free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your door by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And to find out up to date information about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, you just go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Today's show features Julie. Now, Julie is Abigail's mom. Abigail has type 1 diabetes. Julie is a 911 operator, and Abigail was diagnosed at the same hospital that Arden was. And that's not even the tip of the iceberg about today's show. Hey, there's some new stuff in the Juicebox Podcast merch store. For those of you who have been bugging me, I think literally for two years about the tug of war graphic with the insulins having the tug of war with the apple and the hamburger and the milk. I finally found a way to make that image printable. So there's a coffee mug, uh, a neck gator. If you don't know what that is, you should go check it out. Uh, that has that and uh, a white t-shirt with it on the front. It is a uh, Dorbs as the uh, girls would say in 1987. A couple other items are on sale. Anyway, juiceboxpodcast.com. You'll find the link at the top says merch. Please remember that nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. Ooh, I made it. Hi, my name is Julie. I'm Abigail's mom. She's a 11 year old T1D diagnosed. It's been a little over two years now and we've been working with it ever since. All right, Julie. So, Abigail is 11, so she was diagnosed at 9. About was two weeks after her birthday. Two weeks, I'm sorry, prior or before? After. 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 Okay. Uh, two weeks after her birthday, two weeks after her ninth mm-hmm. birthday. That must have been unpleasant. And uh, were the were the decorations still up somewhere in the corner? <laughs> I'm pretty sure of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Were you just like, oh, good, now I can go clean the streamers up. Uh, and now you're... Um, it's funny, you're, I don't want to say exactly where you live, but because that wouldn't be right, but I believe you may live somewhere near where my daughter was diagnosed. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. We, I mean, we live in Franklin, uh, Virginia, but close to um, Norfolk okay. is where she was taken to CHKD. And that's the, um, tell me the name of that hospital. Uh, Children's Hospital of King's Daughters. Of the King's Daughters. That is where my daughter was diagnosed as well. We were on vacation at the time and okay. uh, at the beach. Um, and uh, it was it was interesting because I woke up my friend who is also my kid's pediatrician. You know, at like one in the morning, I was like, we're taking Arden to the hospital. Uh, and he said, where are you going? And uh, I, I told him and he's like, that might not be right. And I was like, what? He goes, there's some hospitals that are more, you know, they have like children's, I didn't know back then, they have like children's wings for diabetes. And some people have like specific diabetes care that other hospitals don't. So, so my pediatrician, who is also a friend, uh, ran to his computer because this is before, you know, phones that did great things, uh, you know, phones that did anything. I I wonder if young people are like, wait, phones didn't always do things, but no phones used to just make (laughs) phone calls. Um, and so there's my, my friend, my pediatrician, uh, in his underwear, 
booting up his computer. And he <laughs> said, no, no, I'm going to let me give you an address. I think you should go to this hospital instead. And uh, it turned out to be the hospital that you were, you were diagnosed at as well. So that's interesting. We have that in common among uh, a lot of other things, I think. So tell me a little bit uh, about that time. Was it a surprise or do you have diabetes or in the family? No diabetes. Well, I mean, we have type two, but not type one at all. Um, a lot of endocrine issues in the family, thyroid issues, celiacs. Um, but there was no symptoms from her whatsoever. I mean, nothing. Um, I tried to look back on it and see if I missed anything, <laughs> but absolutely nothing. She, she had been complaining, I guess, for maybe a day, maybe two days of lower right abdominal pain. So for me doing what I do, um, for a living, emergency um, 911 dispatcher, I immediately went to appendicitis. That's what I was thinking. Sure. And, you know, I even touched her right there and she like almost came out of her skin. Hmm. And so I immediately said, okay, this, this is what we've got. We've got to take her somewhere. I can literally walk across my backyard to a hospital. <laughs> so um, we took her to the closest hospital we've got. And, um, we walked in the emergency room and it was wall to wall with the flu and a stomach virus. And, um, I was like, this is not going to work because she just got off two rounds of steroids because she has asthma. And I was, mm, yep, this is, I don't want her to get whatever they've got. <laughs> so my husband, um, took her to, um, Obesey hospital in Suffolk, which they're a great hospital. Right. Um, and uh, she got right in because they know me by name because I work for the police department, the prior department down there. And um, they took her right in and uh, they did all the lab work. They thought she had appendicitis. They did all the lab work, CT scans, and they came back and they said, um, we're going to transport you to see Katie. Her blood work, her uh, blood sugar is 480. Hmm. Well, okay. So first of all, I love you throwing your weight around getting right in. I, I am completely <laughs> amused at the idea that you walked into the emergency room, saw sick people and were like, this is not the place for us. Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting yeah. near these sick people. Yeah, no. <laughs> mm -mm. I'm a germaphobe. Really, really hard. I'm bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm delighted by that idea. Like this is an emergency. Ooh, not that much of an emergency. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> I saw six people blow their nose and we're out of here. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's very nice. Uh, and so Interesting. So as soon as they see her blood sugar, this hospital you're at doesn't mess around, excuse me, it doesn't mess around, just moves her right over to, to the next hospital. Yeah, I'd say it was maybe 45 minutes. By the time she got there, blood work came back, had her transported. Okay. And so you are really the first person. It's one of the things that sort of attracted me to the email that you sent me was that I've never heard someone say there was a symptom but it wasn't one of the classic, I think I might have diabetes symptoms. Uh, did you ever find out what the pain was? Nope. And she had it for months afterwards. Like it was always one of her complaints. And they never figured it out. Is it possible that the pain had nothing to do with the diabetes and you just got lucky? Um, I guess possible. We had her pediatrician actually put her on a... Um, acid reflux medication mm -hmm. after the fact thinking maybe that was the cause and maybe like a month or two later it went away so we're thinking maybe it was just something coincidental that's really interesting a little good luck bad luck right mix up right. i know people who have gone in for one thing and you know 
left thinking something very different and it's it right. saved their lives sometimes, you know, and this is, this is a really interesting situation. Cause I, it feels to me like, especially 498 or what was her blood, blood work? Like 480. That's not 480. incredibly high. And it's possible that if she would have got that blood work done three hours later, she might've been lower. Like, did she honeymoon much afterwards? <laughs> her honeymoon or denial phase, I call it. Yeah. Cause she wasn't even, she was only on insulin. She was only on um, Levomir for a month, and then she was taken completely off insulin for a year. You did find it by mistake too early. That's, oh, yeah. That's, that's interesting. This is mistaken diabetes. Um, <laughs> you talk about denial phase with the husband and everybody? Oh, yeah. It was awful. So I, I only she have... Um, she have diabetes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so my denial only lasted about a day, uh, and it happened... <laughs> fairly far into Arden's time with diabetes. And by far, I mean, you know, months, but there was a day where we just got up and she didn't need insulin all day. And and it was all day and it was with meals. It didn't matter. Like everything was just back to normal. And so the pediatrician who sat in his underwear and found me a hospital to go to in Virginia is also the same person I called later uh, in that afternoon. And, and I, I knew I was being, I knew I was being hopeful and ridiculous. So I started my sentence to him. I said, look, I'm about to say something. I know I'm wrong. Just stop me and get me off the phone. And, uh, he was like, uh, okay. And I said, I don't think Arden has diabetes. She hasn't needed insulin all day. And he's like, yeah, yeah, get off the phone, Scott. She has diabetes. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> and I, that was it. But did you have, I mean, a year, you're telling me a year she didn't need insulin? Not for a full. It was a year and two months, actually, to the day. And did she have high blood sugars during that year and two months? Not not when we checked by blood, no. Hmm. So what? How does when that goes on for days into weeks into months? Tell me about like how that struck you. Um, my denial only lasted until the blood work came back. Um, you know those tests that they send off for all the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Um. Because once I did enough research into it to know what those should look like. So once those came back and they were off the charts, I knew, you know, this is exactly, she definitely has it. There's no way. Um, My husband and my mom, they were absolutely in denial. They were like, nope, those tests are wrong. There's no way she's not on insulin. There's no way she doesn't have this. They're wrong. Let's get a second opinion. Let's get a third opinion. But when you're seeing, I mean, the doctor we were seeing in the practice, he was number two in the country. Mm -hmm. pediatric endocrinologist. I was like, how do you get better than that? I mean, who, who's going to be your second opinion? Right. Right. Um, Where do we go from here? So yeah. Where do you go from here? We have since, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but anyways, um, so, but it lasted and it was a big fight in the house. I was like, I need everybody on board. This is not helping. This is not helping her. This is not helping me. I need everybody on board. Um, but then you go to Disney. We went to Disney for seven days. She ate whatever she wanted. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And she still had phenomenal blood sugars. But something in the background was going off because when we, every three months, she would go back to the endocrinologist. Her A1C was still, you know, at eight. Yeah. So there was still something we weren't seeing. And you weren't testing that frequently, I'm imagining. No. They still only wanted us testing three times a day. Right. So if you test it the correct three times every day, you're not going to see elevated blood sugar if her pancreas is intermittently working or, right. or, or working at, you know, 
at a half power situation or something like that. I am, I'm very interested. I don't want to get you into more of a, I mean, I know it's been two years. I don't, I don't want this podcast to lead to you and your husband, uh, having to call you at nine one one. So, um, <laughs> but, but, um, gosh, I guess you can't really get into a fight like that when you're nine one one. You're like, look, you can call all you want. They're not going to believe you. Uh, but, but, but so, so, how does that manifest in real life? Like when somebody's on one side saying, look, I don't care, you know, she took a test and sure the test said one thing, but what we're seeing is clearly opposite of that. And you're saying, no, don't. Is Abigail hearing that too? Is she part of that conversation? You, you have diabetes, you don't have diabetes. Um, oh, you know, him and I have been together for 16 years, married for 16 years mm-hmm. and, um, together for 18 years. So we learned a long time ago. We don't fight in front of the kids. We don't argue in front of the kids. Right. Um, so no, we tried to maintain a united front together. Um, but she kind of believed it. Hey mom, if I'm not on insulin, do I really have this? And I tried to explain to her the honeymoon phase. I was like, look, I think we're just having a really good honeymoon phase, which to me, I don't know if I'd rather have this one or the other one. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I know people who are who go through uh, honeymoons that are, you know, drastic, where they need insulin, then all of a sudden they don't, then they need it again, and then they don't. And it's uh, tiring, because you're always yeah. about to put insulin in thinking, like, is this the time I won't need it, or the time I do need it? That's, yeah. that's difficult. I, I want to sort of keep going for a second with uh, with Abigail um, thinking one way, I understand the way she was hoping. I would have, you know, certainly hoped the same way. I understand the way your husband thought of it. I, th- I understand the way you thought of it. You know, like everybody, you're trying to be pragmatic. He's trying to be hopeful. But did, and and she trended to that to sort of his his side. Which opinion do you present to her? Because it's funny as you're talking about this, it strikes me like two parents with two like really differing ideas about religion, for instance, like. You know, let's say right. you're let's say you're Catholic and he's agnostic. Which one do we say to the kids, right? Because right. you know, um, or, or do we say both? And you didn't say both. You didn't say you know I think there's a God and he doesn't, or vice versa. You said what did you say? How did you present it to her together? Basically, it was a let's let's live in the now. Hey, this is what we're this. I'm not going to tell you you don't have it because I know I know that you do. And I was very honest. I've been very honest with her from the beginning, which my husband tells me is a fault. <laughs> you tell them too much truth, Julie. <laughs> I don't um, think that could be, but okay. But um, it's, but look, this is what you have. However, right now you get to be how you were before. We don't we don't have to worry about it right now. Mm-hmm. So let's just enjoy it while we can. Uh, you know, we know at some point the other shoe is going to drop, so to speak. But let's just enjoy it while we can. I mean, we got in Disney. We got in a trip to the beach. We got in a full cruise without ever having to worry about it. Yeah. And she got to have the best year and a half ever without having to worry about it. So you just embarked oh. on a pancreas goodbye tour. and sort, Absolutely. Sort of like when an athlete <laughs> retires, they stop at every stadium, and they're like, go ahead, clap for me one more time, and I'm leaving. And yeah, so your daughter's pancreas is sort of like, uh, I don't know, LeBron James in the last year he'll play. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, so I, I like that idea. I think because there's no perfect way to handle a situation that says you're about to feel the effects of a lifelong incurable disease, but it's not here today, but it's definitely coming. I don't, I mean, it must've been maddening for you. I, I really, oh, yeah. so, so did you find, I'm imagining how you've described it. You found relief when her pancreas probably like gave up. How did your husband handle yeah. it though? 
Um, I think it was like a, a funeral. It was like a death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was, I mean, it, was he really sincerely hoping, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think he ever had that grief period like I had. There was a whole lot of tears and everything in the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember thinking I did something. I remember asking, I broke down to the doctor and asked him, what did I do to make this happen? Because I knew nothing about type one, sure. nothing. Yeah. Um, but him, he never went through that grief. He didn't go through that mourning period because he had that phenomenal honeymoon period. And so when it finally happened, now this was his turn. Julie, I just realized it's possible you and I have cried in the same room at a hospital in Virginia. <laughs> um, Probably. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, huh? I, I think I cried yeah. in that room too. So, uh, yeah. I get you. I really do. I'm just, I, you know, I'll, I'm going to move on, but I, that's just a fascinating conundrum to be in. You know, I get that. I get him wanting to be hopeful. And then I started thinking, gosh, he got to be hopeful for 14 months when it actually happened. It had to be, it just had to be crushing, you know? So I oh, feel yeah. for, I feel for you guys. That's, that's really something. So when it happens and, and, you know, for 14 months after your daughter's diagnosed and she gets diabetes <laughs> because she had a pain in her side. I do wonder like, when would you have actually found out like, like without that pain in her side, would you have been diagnosed 14 months later? I know you'll never yeah, know, I'm, but that's just really interesting. Yeah. So now like my other daughter, I'm like, everything freaks me out. I'm like, are you okay? Why, why'd you pee seven times today? Like what's going on? You know? Yeah. Um, so. Did you ever test, do you ever test her blood sugar when she's not looking, like when she's asleep? Uh, well, she lets me, and we've done trial net on her, too. Okay. So, yeah. And you and does she have any of the markers, or do you not talk about she it? She does. She has one. She's one of them. Yeah. How, about, how about you guys? Did you guys do with it as well? You're, you we did. That? Yeah. We're negative. Interesting. Who's got the thyroid issue? Is it in your immediate family? Uh, yeah, my mom. Um, my dad had thyroid cancer, and my grandmother. So... Hmm. So, so just, uh, you, you, Abigail wasn't dodging this one. This was, this was coming in your, it's, did it, did it all skip you? It all skipped me so far. So far. Yeah. yeah. You don't want the thyroid thing. It's a small thing and it's manageable, but it's also, uh, not always manageable a hundred percent and it's sort of sucks. So, um, yeah. I know Arden, since she's been diagnosed, uh, as hypothyroid, she's just, she can never quite, even though her medication is, we think, really well measured, she can never, ever feel completely rested. Like, she just yeah. doesn't, doesn't, can't th- accomplish that. And to be perfectly honest, my wife has it, too, and she always has that. She always looks tired to some degree. I yeah. think she's learned to live with it, but she's always tired to some degree. Um, it, it's, yeah. uh, it really sucks. It's such a small little thing, but it, it has a big impact on you. Um, yeah. okay. So two interesting. You've had, so you count yourself as having, having diabetes for two years from the day you went to the hospital, but in reality, you've been living with insulin for about 10 months. Is that right? In reality, I've really only been living with the two types of insulin since June of last year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so how does it start? They, you know, it finally kind of kicks in. Do you just have this moment where you're like, this is it? Her blood sugar is not coming back down anymore? Yeah, it was it was kind of gradual. Um, in April of last year, um, she yeah, started going back up slightly. So they put her back on the Levamir, um, half a unit. That's all we were taking, which is incredibly difficult to get in a syringe. 
Um, as you, as you know, I've heard with Arden when she was little. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult. Um, but, and then we did that from April to June. She was only on a half a unit of Levamere. Okay. Did beautifully. Um, and she never went back up. We didn't have to do a unit. We never had to go to full units on it. Um, and then it was like over a course of two days, she gradually went back up. You know, she was at 150 and 160 and 180. And it was Friday in June. It was a Friday. And she started, she went back up to 300. And I was like, okay, I've never seen this number like on a, like I've never seen it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I called and I forgot they closed half a day, the doctor's office. Um, and I was getting ready to go to work. I work night. I work 6P to 6A. Yeah. Um, and I, I called the doctor on call and I said, look, I don't know what to do because we weren't trained on anything in the hospital except the long lasting. We weren't trained to do carbs. We weren't trained to do any type of rapid acting insulin. Yeah. Nothing. We were only trained on the Levimir. Um, And I didn't have any at home, so I didn't know how to bring her down. So our doctor was not on call. Another doctor was on call. Um, he said, well, you got two options. I can give you a crash course on how to do this and I can call you an insulin or you can bring her in and they can get her in the emergency room and they can bring her down. And I said, Oh, mm-mm. I said, let's do the crash course. Tell me. I said, I can do it. Yeah. Especially uh, if it's sniffle season, you're not going back in that emergency room. I know that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, so he called me an insulin and we got the crash course and I'm, I mean, I did it and I, she didn't get in to be seen probably, I think it was almost six days. Okay. So we, we handled it for six days. Yeah. You basically just had a, like a little stick and you beat the, di- the, the blood sugar back with the, with your needles and, and your new insulin and your lack of any kind yeah. of real knowledge. And it worked out. I mean, it's, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And good for you. Well, by then you must've been pretty ramped up for it. You must've, I mean, I can't imagine even back in the beginning when you say to yourself, look, this is diabetes. She just doesn't need insulin yet. I can't imagine you thought it was going to go 14 months. There had to have been a time where you forgot about it. Like, like oh, no, I knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. But, but prior to that, when the blood sugar started creeping up, were there ever moments where you just didn't think about it or was it always sort of in the back of your head? Not for me. I'm a realist. Like I'm, I'm one of those that I hope for the best, but I prepare for the worst. So I knew. Yeah. No, I understand. I also would imagine being a nine one one operator doesn't leave you a ton of, uh, uh, latitude to believe that things go well. I mean, it's a no. weird, it's a weird situation, isn't it? Because I know a, um, I mean, I'm incredibly close with a police officer and who's been, you know, a police officer for decades. I think the one harsh reality of his life is that everyone he comes in contact to uh, with while he's working is either breaking a law or had something horrible done to them. And that starts to become your expectation for the world, you know, that, uh, does that happen to you with your job? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's certain things because we we all deal with cer- you know everything. Like I'll go into a restaurant, and my back doesn't face the door. Um, there's just <clears throat> there's certain things that because of what we've dealt with. I mean, I know I don't see the front lines. I don't see it in person, but I've I've heard things on the phone that just completely freak me out, yeah. and so I don't I don't take it for granted at home. Yeah, that's interesting. Just just in isn't it? something too, because you do it every day and maybe right. I'm assuming you're saying, you know, what if there's a, an invasion at the, at the restaurant, the place gets robbed or something like that happens. Like, I want to see what's happening. And maybe you've right. heard, maybe you've heard that, uh, I don't know, I'm making up a number. Maybe you've heard that a dozen times in your life, but it's right. enough to think 
you know, it's going to happen because it does right. happen. So you, you are a pragmatic person then because of that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, makes a lot of sense. Um, you did not, I'm going to skip in a second, skip forward, but you did not ever drag your husband into a room and look at him in the face and go, I told you, no, you never, did you, or did you not do that? Did you, did you in my head? I wanted to in my head. I wanted to, but I did it in my head only. <laughs> it's like the one thing in the world you don't want to be right about. And you're like, Oh, I nailed this one. I was so right about this. Uh, <laughs> so today, uh, you know, 11 years old, does she use a pump or glucose monitor or anything like that? Are you still doing injections? Well, with any luck, your brain is not as broken as mine. And during this episode, every time you realize that Julie works for 911, a voice in your head doesn't yell, somebody call 911, shorty fire burning on the dance floor, a woohoo, as my brain does. Anyway, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. There you're going to find out about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Now, what are you going to find out when you get there? Let me save you a little bit of reading. The Dexcom G6 is FDA approved for no finger sticks, means you can make dosing decisions based on the information coming back from the G6. That's a big deal. Save you some finger sticks. Here's the next thing. Share and follow. That means someone with type 1 diabetes can have the Dexcom on them, share their information up into the magic of the cloud, and it will come back down like magic on your phone or a loved one's phone or a school nurse or whoever you choose, up to 10 followers can see that information. Huge, right? That's available for Android and iPhone, by the way. You can wear a Dexcom sensor for 10 days. That's pretty cool, right? Put a new one on every 10 days, you get a long wear time. It's discreet and small and it's magical. The decisions that we make every day to keep my daughter's blood sugar where it is, her A1C stable, her variability comfortably smooth, that all comes from the Dexcom G6. And that could be that way for you as well. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Check it out. Because when you get that information back, you'll be able to just switch right over to your Omnipod tubeless insulin pump and make insulin decisions that are reflective of what's really happening. Not a wild guess or a hope or a prayer, but seeing the direction and speed that your blood sugar is moving. And then you just pick up your Omnipod and you go, okay, blood sugar's 84. And look, we're going to have 35 carbs. Oh, Omnipod says it's this much insulin. Push the button, little beep, and the insulin's on its way in. Having pizza? Want to stretch out your insulin with an extended bolus? No problem. This is 70 carbs, but I'd like 50% of those carbs to go in now when I push the button and the other 50% to be stretched out over the next two hours. Want to do that? No problem. Omnipod does that. Now, all the pumps do that. I'm not going to lie to you. But those other pumps you can't get into the swimming pool with. No, 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 you can't. Those other pumps have a big piece of tubing off of them. And then there's a controller on the end that you have to clip to your belt or your pants. Can you imagine a little four-year-old you know, with uh, something hanging from their pants, just pull the pants right down probably. Probably pulls down pants of a four-year-old. That's not right. What if you're a nice lady and you're wearing a, a culotte? Is that clothing? Uh, you have to stick your pump in your bra then. Not good. That's busting up your, uh, you know what I mean? What do they say that? The, 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 the lines, right, of the clothing? You don't want that either. Here's the coolest thing about Omnipod. Omnipod lets you try the pump absolutely free with no obligation. 
you go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. There's links in the show notes right here in your podcast player or available at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't find your way through your podcast player, it's no big deal. When you go to that link, Omnipod sends you an absolutely free, no obligation pump that you can try on and wear and decide for yourself. You don't even have to believe me. All you have to do is get the demo and see for yourself. So whether you want the Omnipod, the Dexcom, or both, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. You can hit those links at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of your podcast player. I've made it as easy as I possibly can to support the podcast and to get great gear to help you with your type one. She was on the MDI from June until October. She got a T-Slim in October. Loved it when she originally got it. Mm -hmm. And then it hit summertime and said, you know what? I don't like being plugged in. I don't want to have to unplug. And so we just paid out of pocket for the Omnipod. (laughs) Um, So we have both. (laughs) Um, And she has the Dexcom G5. The 5. So so not to, I'm not making this into an ad at all, but... um, it was the being connected that she didn't like about the T-Slim, just the tubing. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue with. Um, and, and it's funny. So when she was around the house and a little more sedentary, it wasn't such a big deal. But you're saying that once she got up, tried to run around outside, do that kind of stuff, it felt in the way to her at that point. Yeah. yeah. And she- the, the infusion sets, honestly, for me, the T-Slim, she had so much anxiety with the infusion sets. Okay. It took us an hour to get them infusion sets on her. Mm. I don't have that with the Omnipod. She doesn't, I mean, I've posted on Instagram, like she's so adventurous with these Omnipods. She puts them on her forearm. She puts them on her calf that has no issues. So just try them anywhere. I just train. Um, yep. It's, I was about to say it's early in the morning. It's 1030, uh, but it's summertime. So my kid's asleep. It's early for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's early for you. My children are asleep. Um, I believe last night at something like three in the morning, I remember texting my son just saying like, would you please give up and just go to bed? And, uh, I, you know, Arden was <laughs> up late talking to friends and cleaning her room. She likes to clean her room at like one in the morning. It's a thing for her. Uh, but her pump as you and I were getting, you know, the hour before I was getting set up before we were going to start recording, I'm watching her, her Omnipod slowly dwindle down. It's out. It's running out of insulin. And I'm like, oh, it'll make it till I'm done with Julie. It will, it will. And then about 45 minutes before I got on with you, I was like, I don't think it's going to make it. So <laughs> I, um, I went downstairs. I got insulin. I filled the pod. I walked up into her room. I put the pod down next to, boom, I pushed a button. It primed. I, I whispered in her ear, Arden, I'm going to change your pump. I took off her old pod, cleaned her site, dried it, put the new pod on, inserted it, put the blanket back over top of her, and left the room. Yeah, that's it. She's she never woke up. Uh, it didn't take more than a few minutes. You know, it didn't throw. I didn't have to call you and say, Julie, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be late because we have to switch a pump. It just it just took a couple of minutes. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm looking at her blood sugar right now and everything's good to go. So uh, her blood sugar is 88 at the moment. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's 86. So, yeah, we're doing good. Seriously. Same hospital, same blood sugar. We're doing you and I are we're simpatico here. Right. Does Abigail play any sports or what kind of activities does she do? Um, she did gymnastics for a while. Um, I'm hoping to get her back into it when she was on the T-Slim. She's a little bit embarrassed 
still, I think. Um, and I think it's because it's so new. So she didn't like them asking questions. Like they would ask about the G5 and they would they would touch and she didn't like it. And I was like, you know what? Just explain it to them. Tell them what it is. Or punch one of them. Um, or that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that, actually. I'm like, don't want to touch you. Punch I'm them. Yeah. kidding. We can't hit people. I'm just saying, though, in a big oh. space, if you really just lay one person out, the rest of them probably will leave you alone. Okay, let's not hit people. I think we all know I'm not saying that. But no, I, I hear what you're saying. So she did not like the attention. And no. was it like was it okay the first time but not the 50th time or did she just not like it at all? She doesn't like it at all. Yeah. Um so um but she loves to skateboard. Um so she does that quite often. Um likes to ride her bike. So we've been taking her to the skate park um quite often. Except now they're flocking to her. They see the devices. And they're like, oh, that's, that's, you know, pretty awesome. They use different words up there. But anyways, I won't use them on your show because I know it's clean. Um, so, <laughs> but they see those and they flock to her and they're wanting to help her, you know, because they're older kids. And they're like, hey, let me show you how to do this. And so we're trying to see how long that's going to last before she doesn't like it either. Yeah. No, it's, so, it's, we'll it's interesting, you know, Arden you know, has played softball her entire life, but she hurt her shoulder gosh, nine months ago or so. And the rehabbing of the shoulder took forever. And she's having some like tight, like muscle tightness in her shoulder still. And she just can't really, she can't really throw. And so she hasn't played softball in a really long time. And it's at, I, I think a pivotal, a pivotal moment in her life where she went off and found other things to do. And I think yeah. there's a sincere possibility that one day when she can throw a softball again, the way she's used to that, she just might not want to. And, yeah. um, we are actually looking right now because, you know, sometimes when you let go of activity, you got to, you know, it doesn't just get replaced with other activity. So I think she's considering yoga. Um, I think that's actually one of the things we're going to do later today is look for a place for her to like, kind of get some yoga lessons and see if she can, uh, she's just looking for a way to stay, you know, limber and active and strong, uh, that maybe maybe doesn't involve uh, running around in a pile of dirt for the entire weekend, um, so, yeah. which is fine. I, I if people who are listening are probably like, "Oh, Scott's probably so disappointed." I'm I'm genuinely not. I just, you know, I told her I was like, "You should just do whatever you think will make you happy." I'm not up for, to be honest, like not playing softball for the last nine months has made a ton of time in my life. So I'm right. <laughs> sort of happy about it, to be honest. Um, it, it's it's very nice not to you know get up at six o'clock in the morning and drive an hour and a half to some dirty hot place and stand in the weeds, swatting you know mosquitoes away from your leg. Uh, I'm I'm pretty good with that. <laughs> Plus I still have my son to watch, so I'm, I'm okay. Um, yeah. But but yeah. So, it, but her 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 conflict is more around people's attention. Now, would you say that outside of diabetes, does she struggle with that as well? Does she not like attention? Yeah, she doesn't like it at all. Yeah, yeah, I I, I see that. Um, my, we I don't know if we've really talked about it here. My wife has a fairly like introverted personality, but yeah. she can you know she can deal in the real world, um, really well. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't meet my wife and think I've just met an introvert. But if you got to see her the hour after she got home from a large gathering, you'd see an exhausted person from like creating that that energy you need to be around people, you, you, you know, like I'm, it just works for me. I get around people and I'm like, Ooh, I I'll stay stuff and we'll all laugh and it's fun. And you know, like, like, and that is energizing to me. Like I, 
I feel pumped up by that. Even just talking to you, like, you know, sometimes I think you can probably hear on the podcast, like I get carried away when I'm talking. I, I love talking when it's happening. My wife's not right. so much the exact opposite. And if Abigail does not want to be, you know, intersecting with people to begin with, it's got to be incredibly difficult when they start saying, what's this? And then touching her and she's so new to it still. And that just, it sucks that people feel comfortable reaching out yeah. and touching people, you, you, you know, like, like that instead of just stepping back. Is it mostly kids? It's not, is it adults too? Um, they're older kids. Okay. It's, um, you know, 16, 17, cause that's who usually who hangs out at the, at the skate park. The skate park. Yeah. And, and they're not, it's not a judgmental thing. You don't think it's just, it's interesting. Oh no. Yeah. It's interest. And, um, and they like that she's skateboarding. I don't think they've ever seen somebody her age, mm -hmm. like a girl, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and you're not having any luck talking her into being like, look, they like you. This is fun. And she's like, no, it's yeah. not. Tell them not to touch me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Abby, I'm like, just explain. Like she went to water country and apparently, um, she put it on Instagram live the other day. She's like, have, have, have has anybody ever had people stare at their devices? And I'm like, Abby, if they're staring, look at them and be like, Hey, if you want to look, ask me questions. That's yeah. the type of mom I am. I'm like, dude, don't, don't let people bully you. Uh, you know, <laughs> look at them and be like, Okay, what's your problem? Right. What are you staring at? Yeah, it's um, it's it's and it is so personal though too because you know I'm just lucky on the other end of this because Arden doesn't care, right? She'll yeah. if you ask her, she'll show you. Her friends joke around about it all the time. There's the newest thing that they're doing now is when we get in the car somewhere. So I didn't recognize this was happening. So this happened about a half a dozen times before I was like, why is this happening? But we'd get together with some of her friends for a movie or they'd go shopping or something. And I'm always there because I'm basically a lady. And, uh, you know, I'm with the kids all the time. <laughs> and uh, and we're driving somewhere. And I'd be like, hey, Arden, can you, you know, it, you know, I need you to do some insulin. And she'll, sometimes she'll say how much or I'll just, blurt out a number or something like that. And I, and I, the kids are all like seven, eight, three. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I'm not paying attention the first couple of times. I'm like, why are these children randomly saying numbers? But I think it's part of whatever they're doing. Right. So the other day we're on our way to Spider-Man far from home, me and the girls. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're all driving in a car. And I said, <laughs> Hey Arden, let's, you know, let's get ready. Like, what are you thinking about at, um, you know, what are you thinking about eating at the movie? Are you thinking of getting anything? And she's like, yeah, I really want one of those ices. And I was like, oh, great, sugar and water. Well, that'll work. And so I was like, okay, that's good. Let's get some insulin going now then. And her friend goes, three. And then I hear six. And I went, oh, my God, they're guessing the bolus. Like, I finally hit me, like, what they were doing, you know? And I, tur <laughs> and I turned around. And I was like, are you guys all trying to guess how much insulin we're going to use? And she's like, oh, my God, Mr. Benner, we've been doing that for so long. It's so much fun. We're never right. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, I was like, and, and I look back, at, like, in the mirror, and they're all laughing and smiling. And that's sort of the level of comfort Arden has with it. Um, yeah. You know, if her you know, if, if, if she gets low and doesn't do something about it, I can, I can like hear her friends like Arden, come on, don't die. We got to go. Like, let's like, we were trying to go out, like just drink a juice so we can leave. Like the, everyone's very loose about it, but maybe that's just because she was diagnosed at such a young age. She doesn't know any different. And your daughter does like nine's a real, like a real person age. You know what I mean? Like she had a life that she understood before she was diagnosed. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it was that awkwardness, and she was already going into that awkward age, anyways. So I hope she'll get there at some point. 
Yeah, I'm sure. And we try can. to help her as much as we can. Of course. How involved is your like? What's the division of labor like on diabetes in your house? Is it because you have a weird schedule? Is your husband, I would imagine, just as involved as you are? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now numbers wise, no. Um, but he's absolutely involved. Um, like he, he could change the pump. He can change the Dexcom. Um, but it's funny cause when I listen to your podcast uh, and I'm only on episode 101, by the way, I'm just letting you know that right off the bat. Um, I started at the beginning, but, um, we, um, it's funny when you talk about how you, when you look at stuff, you're like, Oh, that's going to be about three units. That's how I am. Yeah. So, um, like he went to go get them a, uh, a Slurpee the other day and he sends me, they have a, like a sugar-free Slurpee, although it's not really sugar-free. I don't know if you've seen it. Sounds terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's based off of Powerade. Okay. And if oh, you I read see. the fine print under it, it tells you like it's, it's like six grams of carbs mm-hmm. per eight ounces. <clears throat> and so he sends me a picture of what it looks like. And he's like, so it's sugar-free, so she doesn't get anything, right? And I'm like, um, and I zoom in on the phone, you know, really tight. And I'm like, mm-mm. I'm like, no. I'm like, so that's like 48 grams and for eight ounces. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to need you to give her 60, do it for 60 grams of carbs. And he's like, but it's only 48. I'm like, mm-mm, do it for 60. He's like, how'd you come up with that? I'm like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I know, because it's liquid and it's going to hit way different. Right. And so it hit her quickly. So you need to be a little, a little stronger up front to catch that, that initial slam. And then oh, yeah. did you have to adjust out of it later? Or did that number end up working for you? Um, I'm still learning a lot. So it, that one hit really good. I'm still learning how to eat out. Um, Think like a pancreas has helped me a lot with that. Actually, mm-hmm. um, that book. Um, we actually had like a, we went out to Applebee's and had like a, it was almost a hundred grams of carbs when we went out to eat, which is rare for us. We don't usually have that many grams of carbs, but, um, she never went over a hundred with that meal. That's excellent. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I'm you know, sorry? that's fantastic. And, um, some of those chain restaurants, especially are, are hard. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. really are hard on, on um, you know, you can't, it's, it's difficult to just guess. It's not the same as it would be in your house, I guess is what I'm saying is, you know, like you look at a cheeseburger and you're like, Oh, that's probably like this, but I don't know. They have like magic elixir they put on food in those restaurants so that it tastes extra <laughs> foody. Um, you know, it's funny. Absolutely. It's funny. You said think like a pancreas, which is a terrific book. The yeah. author of think like a pancreas is the owner of integrated diabetes where Jenny Smith works. So Oh, you, I didn't know that. Yeah, so when you uh, – because you're listening in order, which, by the way, also, Julie, I'd like to say to everyone listening, when you find the podcast and you love it, you should absolutely start at the beginning and listen to every episode because it makes it much easier for me to, you know, have those contract conversations with the advertisers later when you guys really download all the episodes. So thank you very much, Julie. Uh, but, 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 yeah, Gary <laughs> – Gary um, – is the owner and the operator of integrated diabetes. And when you'll hear Jenny Smith, come on and do the pro tip series as you're listening mm-hmm. through and Jenny works for Gary uh, at his company. So that was very interesting okay. that you just said that it's a great book. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, and it helped a lot, especially during that meal. I did. Um, I think in his book, he said, you know, for high fat meals, you, you know, do a extended or a temp basil for like 50% for like six hours and then um, wait to bolus after the meal. And I was like, dude, this is not going to work. It worked beautifully. Mm, It was great. Yeah. It's really something I, I've said before, but I had lunch with a person doing like a very low carb diet 
and they had a lot of there was some a fair amount of meat and you know fat in this thing that they ate, and they didn't like bolus for I think like forty five minutes after they ate. It was really, but they put in insulin. I was like, this is fascinating. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 all really, but we, what you just said honestly is the right amount of insulin at the right time. Like, just have to get it in the where it belongs. You know, where when yeah. when there's a need, you need to meet it with insulin. That's all. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so. How are things going overall? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling lost? Is it um, a slow progression? You know, what would you tell people? You know, if I said to you, just hey, how's this diabetes thing going? Um, you know, it, once she got on the pump, um, we learned a lot. The Dexcom has been fantastic. Um, I learned how everything worked, how food worked for her. Um, we learned. The doctor we were originally with, he wanted her to have anywhere between 50 and 60. He wanted her to have 60 plus grams of carbs at every meal. Um, unfortunately for Abby, that didn't work for her. That would shoot her straight up and drop crash her. It didn't matter what kind of carbs they were, how we pre-bolused, how we extended anything. We learned real quick that didn't work. So at home, we eat very low carb, um, very low. I just don't bring it in the house. We splurge when we go out. Um, and so that's worked beautifully, you know, um, at, at this point, I'm, well, I don't know about right now because we haven't been, we go back in July, but you know, right now we have her down to right about a six A1C and it's, you know, it's been great. She averages right about 110, 120. And at night I keep her around 85 to a hundred. Wow. You're doing amazing. I had to get comfortable. And um, I think I put in my email to you that now my husband knows I'm not insane <laughs> because I'm not, I'm aggressive with insulin and I'm not scared of it. He was scared of it. I'm not. Um, Julie, Julie, let's just I've, say that he thinks you're insane about one less thing. Like, let's not get crazy and say that he thinks well, you're this not is true. insane. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I am insane and it's cool. It's okay. So am I, by the um, way. I'm just saying that if my wife decided, oh my God, Scott's actually right about that one thing, she would not make a blanket statement out loud that everything I've ever said about him wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, we're crazy in a good way, though, I think. Oh, I believe it too. And I think that's because of the scare tactics that they give you in the hospital, which is probably rightfully so. Um, that, you know, hey, here's this kid, they have this, insulin can save them. However, insulin can also kill them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was deathly afraid of it where I, I wasn't because I read what 180 and 200 blood sugars can do to them in the long run. And that wasn't acceptable to me. You guys just chose a different thing to be scared of. That's all. Like you picked one thing right. and he picked the other thing. He picked actually his brain picked now over later. Your brain picked later over now and, and not necessarily over, you know, you didn't say, I don't want this to happen one day, so I'm going to be dangerous about it now. You just said, I think this needs more attention right now so that later doesn't happen. I, I listen, is in most married situations, there's someone who you would look to for an illness, you know, just a regular illness. And there's someone who, you know, sometimes does the other stuff. It, it just happens that way sometimes. Those things inform no differently than you're having a job as a 911 operator. Those things inform how you feel about things. And the guy who's not in the room during the flu might think, oh, this will pass or it won't be that bad. And you are a mom, so you have that extra gear. 
you know, I believe there's a, you know, an extra, an extra gear in, in every, every mother that, um, that just is protective in a way that's difficult to, you know, put into words. And you didn't just see now you saw the entirety of it, you know, and that's excellent. I think we all need to see that to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So I just, I I don't know. So hopefully that, you know, that would be, I think that would be my only advice is to just definitely would not have out of, um, continuous glucose monitor though. I don't think I would have done it. (laughs) Um, I don't think I would have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If I couldn't have seen what it would have done to her, um, you know, at night they wanted her before the CGM, they wanted her around 180. Mm-hmm. I still didn't keep her there. Um, we, we would put her to bed around 120 and she would wake up around 120. Now what she did in between there, I don't know, but she always woke up. Yeah. I didn't check her Good at enough. night. They didn't tell me to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, so I have um, to agree with I, you. I, I sat with, um, uh, a teenager, two nights ago, you know, 20, I guess 19, 20 year old guy. And he's just pens and a meter and has been for like seven years since he's been diagnosed. And he, I was at, I was with him at a meal where we were going to talk about, you know, I was basically going to give him a crash course in the podcast because we know them personally. And, uh, when he took out his meter and tested his blood and then made this you know, injection bolus for his meal. My brain was like, Oh my God, I wonder what's happening now. Like how does this wasn't enough or too much or, and I got, I got transported right back to what that felt like. And I, because I hadn't been around it in a really long time, you know, that idea of something's going on right now, it's either right or wrong or indifferent maybe. And we have no idea. And I said to him, I was like, when will you check again next? And he's like, before bed. And I was like, it was like seven o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, no, <laughs> no, no. And, and, and it's so, but he's completely comfortable with it. It's his life and it's how it works for him. His A1C is not where he wants it. Um, it's not bad and it's not good. And, um, you know, he, he came into that restaurant with a blood sugar that was almost 200. And that seemed incredibly normal to him. Um, and I just thought, wow, like this is, this is how people feel, you know, when they, they don't know any better and they don't have this technology. It's, it's just, it's very, it was just very normal for him. Yeah. Um, so. I just, I, I guess I have to, I guess I'm looking for from you because you're so new to this still. Is it like, how would you describe the difference between before you could see and, and now? Night and day. I mean, once she was on the two different insulins, um, I checked her more regularly, not at night. I still, I don't, I guess that comes from the mentality. Even when I had babies, you don't wake a sleeping child. (laughs) Um, so I never woke her at night ever. Um, but during the day I wasn't one to just check her before a meal and never check her until the next meal. Okay. We would check before we would check, you know, roughly 30 minutes after, and then we would check her an hour after and probably two hours after I wanted to know what was happening. Um, so her poor little fingertips were brutal until we got the G five. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to stop you about the overnight thing for a second, because that's fascinating to me because I, I can't, it's hard to wrap your head around. I, and why does it matter what your blood sugar is when you're awake, but not when you're asleep? 
And and it's, I'm not coming down on you. I see a lot of people do that. And it's fascinating, like, the, the, the simple idea that just stopped you from looking. Like, well, she's asleep. So that's it. Y- y- you know, but, but those things you were incredibly worried about during the day, you just, were you magically not worried about them when she was asleep? Or did you just not think about it that way? Or can you describe that? Because I've never asked anybody right out and you brought it up. So I'm interested in to kind of dig into that a little further. I don't think it's that I wasn't worried about it. I think it's that there was always a cutoff that I didn't give her insulin. So I knew it wasn't active in her body. I knew it wasn't working. So there wasn't really anything that could cause her to go incredibly low. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was sending her to bed with. And if say she was 110, I knew I was going to give her some chocolate milk or I was going to give her something to bring her slightly up. Um, so that there was less of a chance. I knew, I just knew how her body worked. Um, there was less of a chance that um, she was going to go low and she never did. I mean, let me, let me rephrase <laughs> I'm not going to say she never did because I didn't know, Right. but she never went to a point that she didn't wake up. And I know that's horrible to say, but I, with, I mean, I work, you know, between 60 and 80 hours a week. My husband works 40 hours a week. I go to school full time. So waking up every hour to two hours. And I know it sounds horrible. I love my kids with everything in me. <clears throat> we just, we just can't. Yeah. So, you know? so you just you a little bit of chocolate milk or something like that, and and we're we're gonna kind of err on the side of caution. Now, now that you have gear, and that was very honest of you, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, when when now that you have a CGM, would you let her be 150 all night? Absolutely not. Yeah, not interesting. Mm, no, so. she stays. It's like I said, between 85 and 100, and she's pretty steady. Right. It's a very rare occasion she goes low at night. My point is, is if, if you see a one fifty at two o'clock in the morning, are you getting up and correcting it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Usually they say, usually I'm at work and uh, I'm waking my husband up, like get up and fix that. You must love that. Yeah. You must love waking him yeah. up to do that. Um, yeah. I, my wife looks delighted even in her sleep. She's like, Scott, that thing's going on. The CGM's going off. I'm like, Oh, I'll get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He doesn't hear it. He sleeps like the dead. It can be going off right next to him, and I still have to call to wake him up. Oh, I believe that. I I, I have trouble hearing it sometimes, and it gets diff- more difficult as you you know, like anything else. Um, I sometimes liken it to when I when I was growing up. I lived on a major roadway. Like my parents were mm-hmm. broke, and you know our house was like on a four lane street that that constantly had traffic, and you could invite somebody over to the house that had never been there before. And you could see the look on their face was they could just hear the traffic going by the entire time. And those of us who lived there, we we didn't even hear it. Like it just, it became background noise, you know? Um, So I just, what, you know, what you just said, like I said, was incredibly honest about like, look, I needed to sleep. There's no way around it. So we make our blood sugar a little higher so that everybody can do that. And then the minute you saw what that really meant, like in real terms, like looking at it on a graph, you said, oh, God, I can't let this happen. I'm going to push it down here and find a way to do this. But you couldn't yep. have done it blindly because because it, it just would have seemed too dangerous. And it, it very well may have been to put her blood sugar at 80 and, and hope that it like, stayed there all night um, without being able to check it. It's a very unfair disease. Um, it sucks that we're standing here saying that like without this technology – I've got to err on the side of caution. And what that means is a, a raised blood sugar and everything that comes with it. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, 
I feel like I just felt incredibly sad for you as you were saying it. And yet I did the same thing years ago. And, and at the time I did not feel sad for myself. I just thought I was doing the best I could, you know? Yeah. Dexcom should be standard issue or some type of CGM should be standard issue when you leave a hospital. <clears throat> on this podcast, we don't talk about other CGMs, but I hear what you're saying, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, they should, it should be standard issue. Um, so. No, it, I've Absolutely. said it before. Like, if you had a heart issue, they'd put you on a heart monitor. They wouldn't go, let's just hope your heart's okay. Uh, go ahead home, and we'll just hope. You, you know, like, it's uh, now this stuff exists, and you see what it does. And you can also see what happens if someone lives so long without it, and then all of a sudden you give them the information, it can be overwhelming. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So uh, just like diabetes itself and all the other things that come with it, I say get it early. It's Everything's uncomfortable in the beginning anyway. You get accustomed to it. You learn as you grow. And then it just becomes a you know a simple part of your life. To me, that's the best way. I mean, obviously, anybody can do whatever they want. If you're listening right now and you're like, I don't want to see Gem and I'm doing fine, like, right on. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, do whatever right. you need to do. I'm just my experience. So, um, but I agree with you. I, I really do. I just, yeah. I don't see, I know for certain that the things we talk about on this podcast, management wise, become much more difficult and intensive without a glucose monitor. Then you're testing more frequently. You're probably not being as aggressive as you want to be which I'm assuming leads to more like misses on insulin and higher blood sugars and things like that. And how do you correct that blood sugar when you don't know, you know, like, like when you don't have that information, like how do you make this like, like bold decision to put in a bunch of insulin to to get ahead of a Slurpee, you know what I mean? Something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So when you guys make um, insulin decisions, when you're not at home, does he always contact your husband, always contact you and say, Hey, this is dinner. What should I do here? Or does he get it, get it sometimes on his own? Or do you guys talk about it every time? Um, not always. No. Um, he's gotten much better at it. Um, especially since we've gotten the pump, he's, um, I don't want to talk bad, but he would agree. He's bad at math. So when we were on MDI, he doesn't, he doesn't like math at all. Okay. But once we've gotten the pump and it kind of does for him, he's, he's fine with it. But if he's eating out and it's not that standard meal, because I cook every day, Mm -hmm. like we have a two week menu, I cook meals every day. So he's got the carb counts. He knows what they are that he's fine with. But if he's, if he's taking the girls out to dinner, like they're going to Bush gardens this weekend, I'm sure I'll get phone calls. Yeah. Like, Hey, Hey, we're. Yeah, that's activity and heat. And then I'm assuming some weird soft pretzel that's probably not even flour because it was made six years ago and it's for sale at Bush Gardens and, you know, like all that other stuff. That's hard. (laughs) That stuff's difficult. You know, there you need a little bit of a, um, I don't know, little Zen, little ninja, little zhuzh, whatever you're going to call it. Right. Uh, yeah, just, um, that kind of feeling where you can just go, Oh, I know what that is in this situation. That's very cool. And texting, I would imagine is like a huge part of it. Oh yeah. 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 We're hoping to get that in the school next year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Oh, you're going to, you're trying to manage the way we do, like just with the kind of direct contact. Is she going to the nurse right now? Um, yeah. And that was, that was mostly on the, um, it wasn't anything with the school. The school's actually phenomenal. The, the doctor was the problem. Um, so we've since, um, changed doctors. Gotcha. So yeah, we like our new doctor a lot. I had a so. wonderful note from a person last night 
that said uh, that thing we talk about all the time happened to them. They were like, I we just heard you talking about this in an episode yesterday. I, it happened to me. I had my grade A1C, and my doctor yelled at me and told me to make it higher. And uh, then the rest of the note said, so, you know, I, I have another appointment three months from now, but with a different doctor. And I was like, wow, good for you. Like, that was just, that person did not take that crap for one second. Like, I've been working at this so hard. I randomly bumped into a podcast. Like, you can't take this from me. Like, I'm an adult with diabetes. Like, I just got this right, and you're going to come along and say, no, I'm not doing this with you. And didn't even, didn't argue with them, just was like, yeah, okay, thanks, thanks, thanks. Got their prescriptions, left, changed doctors. That's yeah, um, I think that's the only thing I would, you know, advise any, is stick up for your kids when it's your kids. You know, I I think our the doctor we had, he was fantastic. Please don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic doctor, but he thinks every kid is the same. Mm-hmm. And um, it came down to our fork in the road was during SOLs this year. I don't know if you're familiar with SOLs. Um, yeah. In school, that's standardized testing that Virginia has. Can I tell you that? I thought Abby. it was shit out of luck. <laughs> now, I have to, <laughs> now I have to put a beep in, damn it, Julie. But that's what I thought it meant. Isn't that what SOL means? How does well, it, it is kind of what SOLs mean, but it's standardized testing. In Virginia. And um, it's a massive test that they prepare for all year. And Abby has horrible anxiety with tests. Mm-hmm. And her blood sugars go through the roof. It happened last year. And um, and I tried to get them to manage it in the test. Like have, have her cell phone with the proctor where I could text and say, hey, she needs to do this. So she wouldn't have to leave the test. Because That's the way it works, they yeah. have to stop the test for everybody. Ugh. She has to leave, and they keep the test stopped until she comes back. That's horse. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's not right. That's what Arden does. Arden has the has the phone in the test. I will say this: it took a meeting. It took me getting a person in the school on you know at the school level on my side for the idea. That person had to go to the state and advocate for me. The state actually listened, and mm-hmm. now. Um, in New Jersey, if you live in New Jersey, guys, you can press now for that because um, yeah, yeah, we did it and now they're okay with it. So you can do it too. Um, but yeah, Arden's phone stays with the proctor and I'll text and be like, you know, just 0.6. The proctor sees it and walks over to her, holds the phone up and she gives herself insulin and, you know, she does the 0.6 or whatever it is and she's on her way. Well, the school had no problem with it. It was, it was her medical plan. And so I had to have the medical plan changed. And um, when I called him and asked, I was like, hey, can we get this changed? Because you guys were planning on making her independent next year anyways at middle school. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm not making her independent in middle school. Probably not in high school. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. What? Wait. Uh, what? Somebody's going to get independent uh, in this situation. It's going to be me from you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I, was like, I was like, okay. I was like, we'll handle that at the next appointment when I'm face-to-face with you. However, at this moment... I was like, she goes up to three and 400. And he's like, three and 400 for a 30-minute test isn't a problem. I was like, it's not a 30-minute test. It's a four-hour test for the next four days, four times in a month. And he's like, that won't hurt her. I was like, oh, uh, no. Mm-mm. I was like, this is a problem. I was like, this is a serious problem. It will hurt her. I don't I understand done. if your doctor doesn't know that. Or if your doctor just is trying to comfort you and thinks there's no way to fix it. Um, but I would just say to anybody, if, you, if you're not involved with a medical professional who's willing to sit down and figure something out that fits your life, you're with the wrong person. 
like whatever it is, like forget diabetes for a second. Just you need to be able to say, look, I have a specific situation. This is it. Let's all put our heads together for a half a second, come up with an idea, especially you who came up with an idea. You're like, look, this will work. I know for sure because there's a guy on the internet that told me it worked. And so, you know, I get that part. <laughs> Maybe you don't tell him that part, right? But, but like I had this great idea and this is going to work. All I need to do is like change this sentence here in her medical order that, and then the school will go with it. And, and that's it. And, and to tell you that maybe I won't let her be independent even into high school, who is he? I don't like that at all. May I guess, is this doctor over 50 years old? Yeah. Yeah, you need younger, younger, more agile thinkers. Not people yep. who have been so doing things the same way for decades, you know? I think the problem is, is he thinks that he's the only doctor in the area. And probably for people that way, he is. But we live so far um, west that I drive an hour and a half to that office as it is. So I go an hour and a half the other way. I hit Richmond. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a monopoly on you. You're already, you're already making a day of it. So right. <laughs> yeah, 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 might as well make yeah. a day of it and go talk to somebody else. Boy, that's just, that's terrible. I hope that person's listening. And if they are, I don't like what you did. Um, but for everybody else, stick up for yourselves, do what's right. Uh, when somebody won't let you do what's right, find somebody who will. There always will be someone out there. And, uh, I mean, listen, Julie's driving an hour and a half, which, by the way, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I think our endo is like eight minutes from the house. And as I'm driving, I'm like, <laughs> oh, all the way over here. You, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have more traffic than I do, too, though. So I don't have much traffic. Uh, there's a fair amount of cars here. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So is that, did Abigail make it through the whole hour in that room watching you do this? Yeah. She's still there? Uh, oh, no, 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 oh. no. She left. She's oh, she, like, no, this is boring. I'm done. She bailed on you. How long did she make it, do you think? Uh, probably about 40 minutes. She did pretty well. She's on her phone. Nice. That's nice. I was going to try to say goodbye to her if she was still there, but um, she's gone. We've done a, a terrific hour together. Thank you very much. Are you still nervous now, or has it passed? No, no I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start over? You, you could really jump into it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> Trust me, that doesn't go well. Um, I had a technical problem once, and we, I literally interviewed a person and then had to interview them right away again right afterwards. And uh, it's tiring in the second hour, I'll tell you that much. Joy, I, just, I really appreciate coming on. You were incredibly honest about some difficult things that I think people will be uh, um, will find a lot of, of commonality in, and I think you helped some people today. So thank you very much for doing this. Well, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Huge thanks to Julie for coming on and telling her family's story around type 1 diabetes. She was incredibly honest a number of times, and I really think that's why the podcast is uh, is what it is. It's pretty cool that people are willing to come on and do that. So thank you, Julie. Thank you also, Dexcom and Omnipod, for sponsoring the show. I appreciate it greatly. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There's also links in your show notes at juiceboxpodcast.com. Check out the sponsors. Click the links. Please and thank you. All right, guys. It's the end of April. I don't know about you. We've now been inside for one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, three days. Six weeks and three days. Quick math tells me six times seven is 42. 42 plus three. 45. By the time you hear this, it'll be tomorrow. Let's call it 46. 
46 days in my home. 46 days in your home. Hope you're not getting stir crazy. I found myself uh, actually bored the other day, just bored. And I sat down. I was just like, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to ignore the feeling that I'm always supposed to be doing something. I sat down. Kelly sat down. Cole sat down. Arden sat down. We're all sitting around the table doing nothing. We're there for 10 minutes. I swear to you, people are quiet. Some people are looking at videos, working on homework, just sitting. I was reading something. I'm thinking about getting a new grill. I was reading about a grill. And Arden goes, hey, this is really weird. <laughs> what are we doing? It shouldn't be weird that we were all just sort of sitting together for a couple of minutes. So, um, you know, interesting. Anyway, hopefully we'll all be um, out and about soon, but not before it's safe and right to do. But definitely before I give in to the odd impulse to buy a drone. Now, keep in mind, I could never fly a drone. I know for 100% certainty that if I had a drone, it would go up in the air and turn upside down and crash right into the ground. I have no spatial awareness around things when they get out of sync with me. Like I can drive, do you know what I mean? But that's because I'm looking through the car. The minute you point the car the other way and keep me in control of it, not going to go well. So I have to fight off the urge to look into buying a drone about every three days during our shut-in period. I don't know why it is. I think it's something in me that thinks it would be amazing to fly it away and be able to see things, which maybe it would be. But the the intelligent side of my brain that knows that I would just crash the damn thing in five seconds. Plus, I don't want to buy it. It's very expensive, near as I can tell. Uh, anyway, that is one of the urges I'm fighting off during the um, during our time of incarceration. I wonder if you're not doing the same, if there's not something that every day you're stopping yourself from buying. Just like, I don't want this, I don't need this, but so bored. But then, you know, I realized it would come in a box, and then what would I do? I'd have to, what do you do, like spray, what do you people do? Do you spray the box with Lysol or wipe it down with wipes or something? And then do you have like a special place you open boxes in the house that then gets like, completely wiped down and the box gets, you know, incinerated right away. You light it on fire and, uh, and you wash your hands, like up to your elbows, like you're gonna do surgery. And that's, the, that's to get the mail, right? That's to meet the Amazon guy. So anyway, that's how I talk myself out of it. I'm like, I don't want to have to unbox it, but the truth is I would crash into a tree. Okay, guys, I really appreciate that you're listening. Uh, podcasts are down. Some say 17% uh, during April. Due to the coronavirus, this podcast is uh, not down nearly that much. I do miss you guys commuting a little bit. There's a couple of shows in there you're not catching because you're at home. But, uh, you know, I respect you. I respect that you're, uh, you've are you got a different situation right now. You'll get back into the car one day and start listening. I'm good. But I don't have a 17% drop is what I'm saying. And that is in large part due to you guys. So I really appreciate it. Uh, please continue to share the show if you're enjoying it. And uh, I just really appreciate you all. Please stay safe. Now wash your hands.